Welcome back to The Missing Piece, everybody. Today, I got a special one for you. I've got Chad Metcalf here. He is the third guest we've ever had on The Missing Piece. And I think, uh, shit, I don't know. We got to be well over 200 episodes right now. So Chad, just want to let you know, not often that I have people on here. But Chad is a friend of mine from here in Dripping Springs, Texas. And uh, funny story, met Chad through jujitsu. He diced me up with some leg locks. And that's a, that's a whole other story, if you know anything about jujitsu. But the next time I ran into him was at like a Christmas on Mercer, and uh, which is which is a little festival here in town. And he's like, ah, I think I got this idea for how to teach jujitsu online and like accelerate the process, this and that. And I'm like, cool, man. That's actually what I do, you know? And so we had coffee, met about it, kind of shared with him how I do online fitness. And boom, like, I don't know, how long was it, Chad? A month? <laughs> you, you had a full course with ads running on Facebook, um, which is cool. And ultimately, like, you know, moved on from that. I don't know. It kind of panned. You had a couple people in there. Yeah. I mean, I had like four or five people yeah. sign up. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated. I would love to accelerate my learning, you know, but at the end of the day, though, I tell that story because this is a guy who moves fast. This is a guy who, who sees something and gets it done. And I, and I appreciate that so much. And so I appreciate it so much. The fact that I had Jed come out to Camp Lucy last weekend, which is where we have our annual retreat for all of our clients. I said, Hey man, just share your story because you've lived a life of adventure. You've done a bunch of cool shit. Like people just need to hear about that. And people just kept coming up to me afterwards. Like basically I need more of that. <laughs> I, I need more of that. And so, so Chad is now, you know, well, he can tell you, but his, his latest gig is uh, you know, best-selling author, young athletes guide to mental toughness or ultimate ultimate guide, the ultimate guide. Ultimate. I don't want to sell it short <laughs> young athletes, ultimate guide to mental toughness. And again, that's awesome if you're a young athlete, but pencil, take your, take your marker, scratch the, the words, young athlete out. And what you've got is just a really solid foundational personal growth book that people of all ages could share or could, could benefit from. So that being said, y'all don't really know Chad other than what I just told you. So Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, give, give us your background, man. Where are you coming from? Oh, uh, so let's see, where do you mean to start back in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, yeah. High school. Yeah. So, that. you know, kind of like high school growing up, you know, played sports, you know, baseball. I was actually from the time I was like, you know, 10 to maybe like 13. I was a pretty high level gymnast. Probably why I like jujitsu comes well. Cause yeah. it's just like that body spatial awareness. So it makes it easy to learn uh, that kind of stuff. Anyway, like played golf. Uh, I started playing golf. My grandpa actually he's my great grandpa. I think he lived to be like 99 years old, <laughs> but he was a farmer in yeah. West Texas. And we we're out there one summer and, you know, was digging around in the barn and he had like this old set of golf clubs. I'm like, and these are like, you know, the wooden heads and mm. like leather grip. <laughs> like, awesome. You know, they're like from, I don't yeah. know, 1920 or 10. I mean, they're like super old. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, Papa, what, what's the deal with these? He's like, oh, those are my golf clubs. Like, oh, there's some balls over there. You can go like hit them in the field, whatever you want to do. Mm. So I'm out there hitting them. And a few days later, we're like getting to leave. And as we're leaving, he like brings the clubs and balls over and sticks them in our car. He's like, yeah, just take these with you. Keep practicing. Yeah. So like we lived in Wimberley. I mean, you've driven through Wimberley, yeah. right? So, you know, like whenever you're coming in on like 12 before you go across Cypress Creek yeah. right there, uh -huh. if you like look on that road, Hills Edge Road yep. to the right, like at Forks, that house right there yeah. is where we lived. Okay. And I would hit balls like at Ranch Road 12 right there. And now that I look, I'm like, I cannot believe my parents let me do this. Like, yeah. I could have killed people. Like, well, I mean, certainly today you'd be hitting a lot more cars than you would have been 20 years ago. But. Yeah. Apparently I didn't hit it that far then. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. That went 100 yards. That's really yeah. far. Anyway, I just 
you know, I had like the Tiger Woods book, like from mm-hmm. I got from the library or maybe my yeah. mom bought it. So kind of like learned, okay, here's the grip. Here's that. Realized like, you know, that Wood Creek subdivision. If I like kind of went through the woods behind my house, I could like cut through like hop a creek and like ride my bike over there, yeah. carrying my golf bag. And went over there. I homeschooled at the time. So like the kids on like the golf team could play golf for free, but like it was now, I think like, especially even in Wimberley, like you can homeschool and play sports at the school. Back then it wasn't like, so I was like, well, I don't have any money, but can I just like wash the golf carts and play golf? It's like, sure, man. Like that's fine. So I was like, okay, cool. Making deals. Yeah. Making deals. Making deals. So did that for a while. When I turned 16, I got a job at, uh, Onion Creek Country Club, which was like super nice. It was one of the nicest courses in Austin back then. So it's actually where they started like the Legends Tour, which is like the Champions Tour now. Yeah. Like the Senior Tour. That's cool. Okay. Didn't uh, know that. Yeah. They had two, they had an LPGA event out there. So when I worked, like we had an LPGA event. Yeah. So like it was, I mean, the greens, like it was a great place to play golf. So, yeah. I mean, I essentially, I mean, I homeschooled, I was, I don't know, a year or two ahead probably at that point. So I, mean, I could knock out all my schoolwork in like two hours a day. Yeah. So I'd knock it out and just go to the golf course and practice. And, you know, during the summers, I like would work my shift. But if I wouldn't work in, like I practiced from like sun up to sundown. I had a golf coach out there that I worked with. And, you know, that was like kind of my life. So I was doing that. You know, college golf was my plan. And 9-11 hit. Hmm. And, you know, I remember I was like pulling golf carts out. And somebody yelled, like, dude, you got to come in and check this out. And as I walked in, like, the second plane's, like, hitting the tower. And I don't know, it just, like, hit me. And I was like, golf didn't seem that important. So, like, three days later, I went to the Navy recruiting office. And I really, like, you know, I'd seen, like, you know, read some books about, like, Green Berets and Navy SEALs and stuff. But, like, I didn't really know anything about it. Yeah, sure. And I went in the Navy recruiting office. And I'm like, "Uh, I think I want to be a SEAL. And the recruiter he could have benefited from like going through your program. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not an example of a military combat ready. No. And he's yeah. like, Oh yeah, I've worked with seal something. And ah, if this guy's worked with seals, like they can't be that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went next door to the Marine Corps office and was like, Hey, y'all got anything like seals? They're like, Oh yeah, we got force recon. It's better. I'm like, all right. <laughs> sounds legit. They're like, all right, can you do pull-ups? And I got up there and like knocked out like 15 and they're like, okay, like that's legit. Yeah. Like, uh, Cool. So I went to MEPS, like did the ASVAP, like freaking did really well on that. I mean, it's actually like pretty easy test. Um, the they, ASVAP? Yeah. They give you like, they give <laughs> yeah. you like four hours to take it. <clears throat> I think I was done in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Like I just went through like 30 minutes and it's like on a, I, mean, I probably could have got a higher score if I took it's, another 15 minutes. Sure, sure. I got like an 87. Yeah. Like a 99 is the highest you can get. So yeah. that like qualifies you for whatever job you want to do. Yeah. Anyway, they end up like disqualifying me because I had a titanium plate in my arm. So I'd like fell off a fence, broken mm-hmm. it when I was uh, 12 or so. And, uh, you know, not only did it disqualify me from like the Marine Corps, d- disqualified, my, disqualified me from every branch. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, okay, this is the thing I wanted to do. And like now I can't do it. Yeah. So I went to like Austin, Austin Community College, you know, worked mm-hmm. as a a waiter worked at the golf course. I was a handyman at a ranch. I eventually like dropped out of college because mm-hmm. like 
I just didn't care. Yeah. Right. And I couldn't make it to like an 8 a.m. math class. Right. Like I yeah. just couldn't get out of bed and yeah. make it on time. And like math is probably my strongest subject. But, you know, I ended up like dropping that class. You know, it was either like I had an A in it or I dropped the class. So ended up dropping out. Uh, a buddy of mine's dad owned a power washing company. So started power washing. And it was like, you know, dirty jobs. Right. We yeah. were like power washing commercial kitchens. Yeah. We power washed Bobcat Stadium. <clears throat> like, a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, we're working like, I mean, at the, I mean, I was a, what, 18, 18, 19 year old kid, you know, making like 25 bucks an hour back then. Yeah. Not so, bad. So like I was not making bad. good money. Not really sure where all that money went. <laughs> As is usually the case with 18 year olds <laughs> with a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it was like, I was making money, but I didn't really have any like meaning in my life. Like we, I remember we worked late. I don't know if we were doing like a McDonald's. I think we might've done a furs that night back when furs was still a thing. And you know, we worked till like three or four in the morning, got up at like six or seven to drive to South Texas. I fell asleep at the wheel, hit an 18 wheeler head on, Damn. woke up in a lifelight helicopter. And wow. like, I guess that was kind of like my wake up call. Yeah. Like, all right, it's time to do something here with your life. I mean, somehow like I didn't even have a seatbelt on, you know, my head drug the pavement, but like I walked out of the hospital the next day. No concussions, I no mean, broken I, bones. No broken bones. I had some road rash and like a serious headache. Yeah. But I think because I was asleep, I was like super limp. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, nobody got killed in the wreck. There was some uh, people got, you know, injured, obviously. Yeah. So, like, that wasn't a good thing. But I mean, I hadn't been drinking or anything like yeah. that. It just, you know, I was tired and fell asleep. Yeah. Now, if I get tired, like, I freaking yeah. pull, pull over. <laughs> Lesson learned. Check. Uh, yeah. So, at that time, I'd hit about my two year wait time. You know, so I did my research. I was like, okay, I want to be in the SEALs. I want to do the SEAL challenge. Kind of had all my ducks in a row. Like, hey, here's here's the paperwork. Here's the waiver I need. Walked into the Navy recruiting office. And at this point, like I tried to join in 01. And this is like January or so of 03. Yeah. And like December is when I had the wreck of 02. Okay. Uh, so like January, I Damn. go in there. and So a month after the wreck. Yeah. You're back at it. Yeah. So went in there. I mean, yeah. I still had like you know, a giant, like scrape <laughs> on my head. Yeah. They're probably like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> Actually, this kid's perfect. Yeah. They're like, Oh my gosh, what happened to your face? <laughs> like, yeah. Totally lied to him. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I was on a four wheeler and a branch hit me in the face. They're like, all right, good enough. Sign yeah. here. Right? Yeah. So because like the, you know, the global war on terror had been going on a little while. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll get you in here after you fill out a buds and you'll just go in the Navy and be like, that's yeah. probably what they're thinking. Like, all right, right. you'll just fill this rate. So, you know, went in, you know, went to a school or went boot camp, a school buds made it through buds, you know, kind of learned a lot about that. I mean, really it's, you know, a lot of people put seals on like a pedestal and it's like, sure. it's just like regular people that yeah. did something like most people never do. And like it's after fair, hell week, sure. like you realize like you're still the same person, but what changes is you realize you can accomplish like a hundred times what you think is possible mm. is what you can actually do. That's pretty profound. So you're saying you didn't have a superpower. You just became, or you didn't have a superpower. You just became aware of how powerful you actually are. Yeah, man. I mean, maybe my, you know, if I had a superpower, I mean, maybe I was just, you know, I remember like, well, I will talk about it, but when I was in like acting school of business, like yeah. at, at the end of every case, right. They'd be like, was the entrepreneur, was it skill or was it luck? Mm. Right. And you're like, Hmm. Yeah. And you could make a good argument for either. Sure, right. But sure. it's like, 
you know, what is it like Ben Hogan, you know, a golf reference. He said, you know, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I guess my luck was, you know, I just like instinctively broke down an impossible task into yeah. achievable steps. So like yep. how week, instead of thinking about, oh, I got to run a hundred miles with a boat on my head and carry a log a hundred miles and swim a hundred miles and paddle a boat a hundred miles, like however far it is. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. freaking, it's probably a lot. It's yeah. a long, long ways. Yeah. Like that's overwhelming. Yeah. Or think, oh, I'm going to stay up for a week straight. Right? Yeah. I mean, how many times you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym every day this week. And that's like actually like pretty easy. Yeah, but how many sure. times are you like, you're Friday and you're like, dang it, I've only been twice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, for me, it was like, okay, I'm, it's too hard to try to make it to the end of the week. Like I'm going to make it through the evolution or I'm going to make it to the next meal. And eventually like eight hours in, you're like, I'm going to just make it 15 feet in front of me and then yeah. reevaluate. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, let me just get over there and then maybe I'll quit and yeah. you get there and you're like, ah, that wouldn't be bad. Let me get over there. Yeah. You just do that about 5,000 times and then it's freaking <laughs> Friday. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So did that, you know, and I, I, a buddy of mine heard he was on a podcast and I thought what something he said was pretty good. You know, it's like all the stuff like we did in the SEAL teams, like that was a team effort. Like I can't really take credit for anything that mm. we did like collectively, sure. but like each seal can take credit for like making it through buds Yeah, because that is, it's an individual effort. Like you do, it, yeah. you do it as a team, Sure, but like, I mean, you start with like your team is like your boat crew, right? But, yeah. But that like during hell week, like you might have like a different boat crew every five minutes. Because <laughs> like, people are dropping or they're yeah, shuffling you or what? Well, people are quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, it's like if, if a guy's like a solid dude and you're like, all right, like, uh, oh man, you're like, come on, we can push through and like do it. But some yeah. dudes are like, you know, one guy was in my boat crew and it sounds harsh, but he's like, I mean, we're like Tuesday at week. He's like, oh, and he's like, you know, not really like carrying the log, yeah. not really like paddling the boat. And he's like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm thinking about quitting. And I remember going, oh, yeah, you probably should then. But not for you. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we're all thinking about it, but you just verbalized it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm assuming you're all thinking about it at some point. Yeah. So I actually had, so you've got like, you know, your hat that you wear, <clears throat> Yeah. You call it your cover in the military. Right. So it's like the little camouflage hat. That's like, you know, and you've got like a little like red string that's like tied to your, uh, buttonhole okay. right here. So yeah. you don't like lose your hat. And in that hat, I wrote down the name of every person who said I wouldn't make it. Yeah. Nice. So whenever I was like miserable and like at my lowest points, I would just like lay, be laying in the surf and I just pull out that hat and look at those names and be like, no, <laughs> not going to give them the satisfaction. <laughs> not going to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, so is that, is, that, yeah. is that like a, the best way to do it? Like, nah, no, but it is like, there's different ways to like keep your motivation. Yeah, up. For, yeah like, for sure. So anyway, went in there, went to SEAL Team 4, did a couple of deployments there, hit Iraq and Afghanistan there. Then I was an instructor for a few years. Then I went back to Team 8 and did couple more deployments there. I'm actually, you know, screened for green team, which is development group in like 2012. Yeah. And then cool. ripped my knee apart like two weeks before green team during doing judo. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I don't know. It's, you know, is it, I mean, if, you know, I might still be in the Navy today if like that hadn't happened. So like, yeah, who knows? But anyway, did that stuff, you know, my boys were, you know, still pretty young at the time. Like Maverick was born, like right before my first deployment. Mm. Wyatt was born on my second deployment. And then Ryder, That's freaking crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I Props came, to I Christy. came, I came home to see him like yeah. be born and then went back to Afghanistan. I don't know how you could do that. So 
like it's just I don't know. It's just like what you do. Yeah, yeah. Right? I guess you're just in it. Yeah, yeah. That's what you do. It's just, uh, but uh, it's you not know, the typical fatherhood experience for those outside the military. No, it's but it's been interesting. You know, like the last couple of years, like hearing Christy's side of like the story of like, okay, yeah. what was it like, like yeah. doing this? And it's like, okay, like, and then telling her like because they'd have meetings at the team. Yeah. For like all the wives and like bring them in and be like, Hey, don't bug your husband with like problems at home. Everything's yeah. going fine. Like you don't want to distract them and like yeah. get them killed. Yeah. And you're like, dang, that's like tough. Like, <laughs> we were young. Like when we got yeah. married, I was like 20 and she was 18. Yeah. So it's like freaking, you know, it's <laughs> that's like, intense. It's like, yeah, hey, dude. congratulations. Like you're an adult now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, obviously you knew what you were signing up for, but how can you ever know until you actually get shot at like, Oh, this is real. This isn't a movie. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like you kind of get numb to it, I guess. Yeah. Like just, I mean, it comes back to training. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I mean, there's all kinds of like these training cliches that you would hear all the time. Like, you know, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like, or you don't, you know, rise to your level of expectations. You fall to your level of training. But I think that's what like separates seals yeah. from everyone else is our training. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, every time you form up a platoon, like you're going through all those blocks with those, that group of guys and starting mm. at the complete basics. So that's like how it was so like, you know, okay, how do you get through hard stuff? Like I learned that by going through hell week. Like, how do you like build your skills up to a level? Well, I learned that by doing it time and time again, like in yeah. the SEAL teams, like each platoon, you like start over, rebuild your complete skill set, and you get better. And each time you like, you know, like the first time you do it, you've got like your blinders on where you're seeing like, you know, you've got like your peripheral vision doesn't exist, right? You're like, okay, I've got to do this. And then each time you do it, it's like you get more and more peripheral vision to see, like you understand the whole piece. Yeah. Right. So Very that's cool. kind of like tied in there. But anyway, had, you know, been doing that for, you know, 12 years. And I think like the last, you know, it's like I went to teammate and in 24 months I was gone. I don't know, 21, 22 months. Oh my God. So it's like kids are, you know, and before that I'd been yeah. on shore duty for three years. So I was an instructor. So I was yeah. home like every day. Yeah. So like the kids had gotten used to me being home and then I'm like gone all the time. So yeah. it's like kids start like acting out in school and it's all that. It's like these emotions they have, they don't know how to process. Yep. And so like, I felt like I'd done the things I like signed up to do or like, you know, had answered my calling and, yeah. you know, I still had that in my, the back of my mind. Like, hmm, could I make it to the PGA tour? Uh, <laughs> love it. So somehow I convinced my wife that was like a great idea. <laughs> and we sold our house about a, I don't know, eight months, a year before I got out. Yeah. Something like that. She moved back to Texas, like living with her parents. Yeah. And I like stayed at a buddy's house for like a year. In your West coast, East coast, East coast. So yeah. this is in Virginia. Yeah. Virginia beach. Okay. So like we saved, like sold our house, saved a ton of money Yeah. and just like cut our expenses. Then we moved back to tech her. She was already in Texas. When I got out, we, you know, came back and I was still like on uh terminal leave. So I was still like in the Navy for like a couple more months. Yeah. So like before I got out, I like used, you know, my like proof of income and all that. So I could actually buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Just working the system. I like it. Yeah. But we sold our house for, I don't know, this is a while ago. We thought we had like, you know, pretty nice house, but we sold that one for like 300, something like that. Yeah. In Virginia Beach and then bought a house for like 160. 
in New Braunfels. In New Braunfels. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's like we cut our expenses to like, I mean, we were living on like three grand a month, you know, yeah. not in, for five people, for five people. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, granted our kids were younger, sure. younger then, but I mean, that was kind of the, the grind of me, obviously like golf costs more than that, you know, so yeah. like long story short on golf, like I got out of the Navy in November and went to like qualifying school for PGA tour Latin America in January. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't ready. Yeah. But like, I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. So okay. Like, okay. So you just showed up. You're you know, ready to go. You're just like, hold my beer. I'm about yeah. to go like, you can beat everybody. <laughs> yeah. And you show up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different environment. Yeah. Um, but it took me a while to recognize that. Like, was it, it the skill set? Was it your golf skills? Was it your competition skills? Was it being around that competitive of a level? Like what, what yeah, were so you ready for? Uh, I mean, primarily it was my golf skills. Okay. Right. And then it's, <clears throat> it's, it's also like the, the competitive aspect of it. Right. And it's like, okay, pressure. Like what yeah. is pressure? Yeah. Like pressure just means you care about the outcome. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, you know, if, you know, I was playing darts with Wyatt the other day, like yeah. on the back porch and we're throwing it and he's like, Oh, you choked. I'm like, honestly, like I'm not even good enough at this to choke. <laughs> like you actually have to be good yeah, to, yeah. Be, to, to be like, Oh, you like mentally failed. Like your skill level has to be so good where you execute so far under what your like average is. like that's choking. Yeah. Like just being terrible at something that just means you're not good. Yeah. <laughs> Todd White used to be like, you're not good enough to be upset with your performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, again, I was like pretty good. Go I mean, I played golf for a while. Like, I mean, I was a like plus four handicap, which means like it goes like once you yeah. go under zero, it's not like a negative. It's a plus. Right. Right. So, but that was like playing the same golf course every day. Right. Yeah. So there's a little bit different thing. So you can, you know, have some kind of fundamental flaws in mm. your swings or in your like game. Like for me, like I flighted the ball too high. Like I thought, you know, if, if I'm like 80 yards out and I hit it to 20 feet, like, oh, that's a good shot. Mm-hmm. Like that ain't a good shot. Right. Okay. So it's like, you know, and a bunch of my buddies that I made were already on the PGA tour. So I started playing golf with them like every day. And like that skill gap, like became apparent. I, mean, yeah. I, I caught up pretty quickly. Yeah. But part of it was, you know, I'm out there like practicing every day and I can't take like the game I have in training to competition. Mm. And like I show up on the first tee and I'm just like super nervous. Like, yeah. okay, don't hit it in the woods. Don't look like an idiot. Yeah. You know, like anytime we try <laughs> yeah. anything new, you're right. like, all right, don't look, don't look yeah. dumb. Do I really belong here? Yeah. So I started getting like, I was just going like blow up and like have a terrible day. I'm like, dude, what am I even doing? And then like in training, like I started, like it just like carried over and I just yeah. like got in this spiral where I was just getting worse in training. So like read every sports psychology book. Yeah. Then I tried to like just practice like 15 hours a day. Yeah. And like that wasn't working. And finally, like I found a good coach who had already taken people where I wanted to be. And, you know, he like to looked at my training plan and was like, okay. Um, then he told me a story about this guy that, uh, had won all these like triathlons yeah. and he basically like reverse engineered the like path to success and applied like the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. Right. So he just figured out like, okay, what aspects of this race do, does everyone who wins, like, what do they have in common? Like what specific piece of the race do they dominate and where yeah. are they average? And he just got really good at the parts that mattered. <sighs> I love that. Right. So that's what we did with golf. You know, he broke down, Hey, to compete on the PGA tour, what re- what's required. And he broke it down into like three things. So I was like, Oh, Okay. That makes sense. And then your yeah. training plan has to reflect that. Right. So then it like, when I'd go play, it's like, okay, well, this is just what I do every day. Mm-hmm. And like, can I started to get like 
really good. Yeah. Uh, like the first one of my buddies on tour, like the first time I beat him, we were playing like TPZ San Antonio and I shot 62. So it was like, okay, that's like legit. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I mean, no like mulligans, no nothing, just yeah. like 62. So, but you know, I still had this thing, like every time I'd get like really close, like I missed like Monday qualifying by one, I missed my tour card by like four and it was really like, but I'd run out of money, right? It'd be like, I'd run out of money and then I had to go like make money. So I like, you know, one time, like I went and did security contracting for like three months, Mm -hmm. made a crap ton of money. But when I got back, like I hadn't touched a golf club in three months. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it takes me like six or seven months just to get back to where I was. Yeah. Right. Because you're so like fine tuned. Like when I was fine tuned, like I could hit a ball. Like if we're like on 55 yards, I could hit it and tell you within a yard how far I just hit that. Yeah. Right. Like that's how like fine tuned you get your skills. Yeah. So the third time we ran out of money, it was like, okay, like it's, it's not really like, is this worth it? Should I do something else? The stress, the roller coaster. Oh, dude, like the emotional roller coaster. Your wife is torn between being a supportive wife and being like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. And, and the yeah. first few times it's like, okay, like, should I go? She's like, no, like you're getting close, like keep yeah. going. And yeah. when I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, it was like, cause a bunch of my buddies would be like, oh, you're playing professional golf. Like, oh, it must be nice. And I'm like, bro, you got to know. Yeah. yeah. You're like, actually, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, you look and you see dudes on the PGA tour and right. they're like flying net jets and right. get all this, but you're like, dude, that's not what it's like for everybody who's trying to make it here. Yeah. It's like the same in entrepreneurship. Yeah, like people right. look at like, oh, entrepreneurs and they think like, right. you know, Russell Brunson and Alex Hormozzi. And you're right. like, well, go read what they had to do to get where they yeah. are. Right. Yeah. So... I mean, you've got a bunch of dudes that are like trying to make that happen. So, you know, third time we ran out of money, it was like, okay, we got to do something. And, you know, like we had to go to the food bank to get food. And that's when I was like, okay, like I got to go figure something else out. It's a tough spot. Yeah. I mean, just it's a tough spot for a, for a man to be in you like, I, you know, I don't want to project onto you, but it's, it's what you're feeling about yourself as you take your wife and young children to a food bank is it's got to stir up some emotions. Well, yeah, especially if you've been like, you know, at this point, like, I mean, you like fail, like, and I mean, the SEAL teams, like you have failure based training, Yeah, but it's not like I failed. Like I didn't become a SEAL or I didn't do X or we failed this mission. Like at this point, I'd never really failed something on this like scale and level. Something I really like, I mean, sure. Like I'd had some, but nothing like I'd bet it all on the line Yeah, and just not made it happen. So like people ask me, oh, would you do it again? Like, yeah, do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, went to like, okay, I need to make money. I need to get a job. And you like, the problem was like, you know, that you don't know what you don't know. So it's like, you know, obviously like the skill sets I had would be valuable to a business, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to articulate that because I didn't speak the language. So it's like, even you write a resume, you're like, oh, I did this in the military and this in the military. Well, if you can't convey it to the language they understand, you might as well just write it in Chinese because they have no idea what you're talking about. So it's like, I've filled out a hundred job applications, had a few job interviews, no jobs. I couldn't get hired anyway. I actually got an offer at a golf course to like work for eight bucks an hour, but I knew that wasn't going to like cut it. Oh, man. And even that, like asking friends for help, you know, because yeah. that's the first thing. Oh, hey, man, I need to get a job. Like, you got anything? And yeah. it's like, if you're not specific, yeah. no one can help you. Right. But we'll talk about like mm. when you do get specific. Yeah. Like, 
people know how to help you. Yeah. Right. Oh, Especially man, if you're like that's passionate. That's so powerful. Yeah. Because I mean, because I'm like, yeah, man, I need a job. Like, oh, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know what is there. Yeah. I'm like, uh, bro, like, I can't help you with that. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost like it's it's not taker energy, but it's sort of like, what can you do to help me? And people are like, well, I don't know. What do you need? And you're like, you can't even say it. But yeah. if you're like, hey, here's this thing I have that can help you. It's a totally different conversation. Yeah. You're, you're, you're leading with like, here's, here's the value I'm going to add to you. That's a completely different conversation. Like, Oh, I don't need that, but I know someone who does or whatever it is. Well, for sure. I mean, you think about it, like, you know, that the second startup I did when I'm like, you know, I was hiring people and, you know, looking at like, okay, for this person I need, you know, and I would just think of somebody I knew who like would be perfect for that job. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, somebody like this guy. And I was like, well, crap, maybe I can just get him. Yeah. And then I call yeah. him and be like, Hey, you want to come do this thing? And like, you know, one of them, like he came and interviewed, but we couldn't like meet his salary. I didn't yeah. think we were going to, but he was like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I think it's, it's not even like you're being a taker, but yeah. it's like your friends want to help you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's probably the wrong word, but it's just, yeah. it's a, it's a similar thing where it's just like you're asking, yeah. but you're not, you're not offering what you contribute because in your instance, you just literally can't, you just are unable to articulate know. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's that Mark Twain quote He's like, I can show anyone to get how, what they want out of life. But the problem is I can't get anybody to tell me. <laughs> right. Yes. Want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, was kind of at that point, you know, like super depressed, just like, I think I was like just sitting on the couch, like playing call of duty, feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. And then like, I guess, you know, maybe like Christy just gave me like a kick in the ass. Yeah. And my neighbor at the time, he was uh, like San Antonio police officer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey, my buddy runs the Academy. Why don't you go ahead and apply? Like, I'm sure you'll yeah. get in. So I'm like, okay. And then uh, another buddy of mine, he's like, Hey, there's this business school in Austin and it's like pretty legit. It's like entrepreneurship. He's like, I think it'd be a good fit for you. Yeah. It's like, Oh, interesting. And, uh, Another guy that I'd known in the SEAL teams had like gone through it like a year or two prior. So I called him up like, Hey, what's the deal with this? Like acting school of business. He's like, Oh, you got to go. Okay. Like, like it's legit. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That's, he's like, you got any questions? He's like, no, I, I trust you. Like I take your word for it. Yeah. So I applied to the business school and I applied to the police Academy and I'm like, whoever takes me, like that's the direction I'm going. Cause I need to make, I need money. Yeah. And people are like, well, how are you going to get money going to business school? Well, I had the GI bill. Right. So nice. you okay. get like, they pay for school and then you get your BAH was like, I don't know, 1500 bucks a month. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's freaking, I mean, now I look at it and like, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, but it, 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 it is something, but it's, something. and it allows you a little bit of wiggle room to go do what you need to do in business school, Yeah, which has an exponentially yeah. bigger payoff. Yeah. So and at the end, during this time, you know, Christy's like working, she's running her mom's flower shop. She's doing wedding, coordinating, event planning, uh, she even, uh, you know, worked as like a waitress for a little yeah. bit. Like she's grinding hard. Like, and she'd been yeah. grinding hard, like doing this stuff, and like working at her mom's flower shop and doing event planning and stuff like that while I was playing golf. Yeah. Like essentially like paying our bills. And then I did, you know, golf coaching and public speaking and five star Uber driver and all that <laughs> to like help make ends meet and like pay for golf. Right. So yeah. it's like, what does it cost to play golf? Like 60 to a hundred grand a year is what you oh, need to spend man. to have it even a remote, remote chance. Damn. So anyway, the police, police Academy, they call me back. They're like, Hey, we would love to have you. But, and this is like August, September timeframe ish. Yeah. Uh, 2018. And, 
They're like, yeah, but we don't start the next academy until January. Uh-huh. And then the business school calls me like, oh, we'd love to have you, but we just started our current MBA class two weeks ago. So you'd have to wait for a year. Yeah. So I just like took a shot and, you know, talked to like the decision maker. So it's like Garrett and Jeff yeah. and said, hey, like, just give me a chance. Like, yeah. I'll catch up. Like, I'll outwork everyone there. How did you get to the decision maker? Were they that readily available? Yeah, because it's like I was pinging back and forth with like the admissions and then right. like obviously they saw my resume, like I was a SEAL. There'd been SEALs gone through there that okay. were super successful. So like I already kind of had cool that going. So for that me. reputation sort of preceded you. Yeah. Yeah, great. So okay. I, I just was like, hey, can I get <clears throat> you know, it was like they call them like the dean is like the CEO there. So called him up and said, like, look, here's the deal. And he's like, All right, like, okay, that's fine, but you gotta get your deposit it was like four grand it's mm. like you got to get like if you can get me like four grand by friday then that shows me you're serious and you can get i'm like dude i don't even have any money he's like all right we'll figure it out <laughs> like, good quest number one <laughs> yeah so i figured it out yeah I freaking my brother gave me some money and another uh buddy of mine i played golf with yeah gave me money he's like when you ask a friend you have like a specific ask you're like dude i need like four grand to get yeah. in this business school yeah and like i'll pay you back when my gi bill hits in like a couple months yeah like, all right cool so got the money jumped in caught up finished top of the class like just by yeah. grinding on it you know yeah. just yeah and it was funny like we were you know you start with like these little like cash evaluation tools and it's, you know, essentially, you know, how can you analyze an opportunity and tell mm. if it's a good opportunity or not? Yeah. Right. And I think that's like one of the most powerful things you can learn as an entrepreneur mm. is like, before you ever get started on an opportunity, like, is this a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> right. <laughs> it would save a lot of people a lot of frustration. Right. And I mean, current company included, yeah. you know, I've probably done, you know, cause I have ideas all the time and, you know, within five minutes I can, tell you if it's a decent idea worth more looking into or not. Sure. So, and I'd say like 80% of the ideas I have are dumb. Yeah. And I do like, you know, run these tools through it and I'm like, nah, that's a dumb idea. Now I've done it so much. I can just basically do it in my head. Sure. You know, it's like we were, I'll play the game with like my kids. Like we'll go into a business and I'll be like, are y'all think this is a good business or a bad business? And I'm like, oh, it's a good business. I'm like, why you say that? And then we'll go through like basically broke down the math behind it and see how much, how much are they making? Like, Oh, this is a terrible business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but if the person knew that when they started, they wouldn't do it anyway. So Christy had just gotten a real estate license and I'm like week four or five of business school. And she's like, you know, doesn't know how to generate leads. Cause like getting your real estate license is really like, how do you not get sued? What are the legal things you have to do? Mm -hmm. She's like, should I buy Zillow leads? And I remember the time it was like 1400 bucks a month and you had to sign up for a six month commitment. Okay. And we've got maybe like a thousand dollars in our account. Yeah. Like, I mean, unfortunately, like we didn't have like credit card debt or anything like that. Sure. We've got like a thousand bucks and she's like, yeah, this is a $8,400 commitment. Yeah. And we have no money. Yeah. Um, We essentially have zero (laughs) dollars. And she's like, "Uh, should I buy these Zillow leads? And I'm like, "Hmm, well, Let's use this tool I just learned, I guess. Uh, So it's like, okay, how many leads do you get? How many uh, do you think you can convert? What's the average sales price? You know, what's your commission split with your broker? Yeah. And I run out the math. She's like, I don't know. I think I can compete this. I'm like, well, freaking the numbers work. Like, 
Yeah. And let's do it. And she's like, well, what if it doesn't work? And da, da, da. I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we're already rock bottom. Like, yeah. how's it going to get much worse? <laughs> yeah, right. It's a good spot to be in. Yeah. So, so I mean, she crushed it, though. With yeah. Her. I mean, I don't even, the ROI on that. I mean, she probably cleared 150K the first year. Damn. Like, look at that. So it was like, she was just converting them, you know, come to yeah. find out, like, we'll talk about like an NGA, like the power of like finding your strengths. Yeah. Like her strengths. So line up with this industry because yeah. of like how she like genuinely like, you know, cares about people. Not that yeah. I don't care about yeah, people, but right. it's like, if I was going to sell you a house and we go look at three houses, I'm like, do you want the damn thing or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. right. She's, she's seeing your family in it. She's, you know, helping you yeah, paint the picture of your life in this beautiful home. And you're just like, dude, it's got three bathrooms. You enter, you out. And, and she's already like talked to him and understands their dream home. And she's yeah. already like, yeah, I don't really think this is the one for you. Da, da, da. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, but I mean, she's had people, she's literally like showed them houses for like three years. Yeah, that's and like gotten them like across the phone. Like, damn, are they how many? Like, you showed him like a hundred houses. He's like, yeah, yeah but that wasn't the one for them. I'm yeah, like, dude, that's I'm like, all right, like super cool. But I mean, she's even now like she'll call and you know, cause she's like getting back to her, okay, how do I like you know maintain you know connection with my clients and yeah. all that? And like, she called up somebody the other day that she hadn't talked to in like four years. She's like, I drove by, saw y'all's lot, saw y'all built your house, and they're like, oh yeah, you helped us get this. It's like they have that connection, yeah, like for life. So it's yeah, like, super that's, cool. that's like her superpower. So Love it was that. like just that, but you know, knocked it out of the park there. Yeah, you know, before like business, like we probably never would have taken that. And been like, oh yeah, we can't afford that. Right. But, right. It's, but it's like knowing, like, how do you take, how do you bet on it? Right. And I think it was like Hormozzi was saying, like being an entrepreneur is like gambling. Right. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. But it's like, if you go to Vegas and gamble, like, yeah, you could like understand like, okay, what are the percentages of playing craps and blackjack? And you could get those are your like highest yeah. odds to win, but you're never going to be as good as the house with entrepreneurship. Like you can keep leveling up your skills and become the house. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's sure. like, but would you, with just that like first basic skill, Yeah, that thing, like it paid for all the business school. That's insane. And that had to be just like life changing, you know, yeah. money at that point, because you're just like, dude, we had a thousand dollars in a bank account. We've been living off 3000 a month. Yeah. All of a sudden, like she makes in a month what we made in a year. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. Like yeah. that's, you know, a lot of guys would be like, oh, like, oh, my wife's doing, I'm not, I'm just like freaking go. Like yeah. you're crushing it. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Team Metcalf. We're all, yeah. it's all going to the same place. Hell yeah. So anyway, like this business school, right? So they make three promises, you know, to those who are like disciplined enough to like make it through. So it's, I mean, it's legit 100 plus hour work weeks. Mm. So, you know, you've got like the first half is. Uh, like you kind of do it online and you have, you know, a few like in-person meetings that you do. Yeah. Um, but it's really like you're building the skills you need to do the second half. So it's like, what are all the financial tools, the operational tools, like all these frameworks so that whenever you go into the second half and you do all these like Harvard business school case studies, you actually know how to like analyze it and make the business decisions and do all that stuff. Sure. But you know, once we were on campus, like my daily schedule was I would get up at, 4 a.m. We lived in New Braunfels. I would drive to Austin. I would get there at like 4.45. I would take a 30-minute nap on the couch. We'd get up. We'd have study group for an hour and a half and like review our cases and all our yeah. work. Then we'd go and do like this, uh, the case discussions until noon. We'd have like a quick meeting after with our study groups. I would drive home, get home about 1.40, 
I would take a like 45 minute nap and then I'd prep cases until midnight and then I'd go to bed and get up at four. And then I did that every day. And then on the weekends, I just prep cases for 20 hours a day. (laughs) And now is that, is that for everybody or that's because you were behind and you wanted to be number one? I'd say if, if you wanted to sleep at all during the week, you had to prep 20 hours a day on the weekends. Wow. Okay. So I'd say yeah. everyone didn't do that. Yeah. But like the learning curve you get whenever you put that in, it's like yeah. you literally like change the way you think. Yeah. Right. Sure. It's like you start recognizing patterns and it doesn't come overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you keep like putting it in and, you know, like one example, um, which I actually talk about in my NGA pitches, we were doing like venture capital stuff and you had to like do a uh, cap table and like break it down and, and they're like, all right, who wants to like put there's like uh Chad, like go. And I'm like, oh, like super confident, like oh, I'm about to crush this. What's a cap table? So it's just like uh say like percentages of equity. Okay. Like if you're gonna like raise money and you're gonna give away X percentage, like how yeah. does that affect everyone's percentages and what's the valuation of the company? Got it. Okay. Anyway, I go up and put it on the whiteboard and I've got like the dudes that teaching it is like the head of like uh what is it like one of the Austin venture capital groups. And I get up there and like through a small miscalculation, I give away like $3 million to the company accidentally. Yeah. And it was like super embarrassing, but yeah. it was like a, it didn't cost me anything to learn that lesson. Yeah. Right. And what took me like, I don't know, 25 hours to figure out how to do like after that, I could do it on a napkin in like <laughs> right. two minutes. Yeah. So right. it's almost like speaking a language. For sure. Uh, but those three promises they made was to learn how to learn, to learn how to make money and to learn to live a life of meaning. Mm. And obviously like I came there, like I really cared about the second one. Like yeah. I need to learn how to make money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause I'm starving. Yeah. Like not literally, but you know, yeah. close know. to it. Yeah. But it was really like the learning how to learn, you know, I think I already kind of had, you know, a, a good start on that, you know, from like homeschooling and like being in the SEAL teams yeah. very much like, Hey, go figure it out. Like, I don't know is never an acceptable answer. Yeah. If you don't know, your answer is I'll figure it out. Right. And you learn how to use your resources and, you know, your resources as other people, the internet, books, like whatever it is to figure that thing out. Um, But really, you know, like looking back on it, the learning how to live a life of meaning was honestly like the most valuable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, money and lessons learned. Yeah if they lack the context of putting them into a meaningful life are going to still feel pretty empty. You could have all the money in the world. You could be the smartest person in the world, but if you don't have any meaning to contextualize it, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. I think once you're, I mean, Jeff was talking about it. I mean, it's probably like you probably need a little bit more money now, but yeah. then it was like, you know, if you're making, you know, 70 grand, yeah, like making more money isn't going to make you happier. Right? right. Because you already have like your basic needs met. Yeah. Right. So it's like that more money, you know, it gets like, how are you getting like, what's the meaning behind it? You know, in the life of meaning, of course, it was like, you know, three questions like, you know, when you die, how are you going to answer? Like, who did I love? Who loved me? And did I live a life of meaning? And then you're like, well, how do I define a life of meaning? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, so this 
part, like the thing we're talking about is like this next great adventure yeah. deal. So it's, it's been, you know, before now it's been just tied into like, if you went through the business school, you got it through like the life of meaning course and you did yeah. this like next great adventure. Or if you went to act an academy in the high school part, I mean, it's tied in throughout the, the curriculum because sure. the kids start there, you know, they're in spark and it's right. like, Hey, find your calling, change the world. Right. So they're going yeah. through this process of figuring out like who they are, like what they're passionate about and like how they're going to use it to impact the world for good. Yeah. So that's kind of like what we're working on is like, how yeah. do we bring this thing that like Jeff's built and worked on the last 20 plus years and like systematized yeah, and bring it to bring it other masses. people. Um, yeah. And that's for, for a little bit of context. Yeah. So this, this is an action principle. So our kids, you, you referenced spark. My kids are in spark, which is the action equivalent of kindergarten. Essentially there's a middle school, which your youngest is in and you can graduate. Well, he's in elementary, elementary. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And you can graduate you know, you can get your diploma from there as well from, from an action Academy. And then there's the action school of business, which is like an MBA program. And so I'm all on board with all this stuff because my kids are there and you know, they're all about finding your calling, changing the world. Love it. And I remember Chad posted something about the next great adventure. And it was like, and I'm reading it. I'm like, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. And then at the end it was like basically pointed towards teenagers you know, like, Hey, this is a good tool for your teenagers. And I, I think I saw you that night at the, at the dripping spring city lifestyle event. I'm like, Hey, is that thing for adults too? <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, it's part of the business school. And he kind of explained it to me. I was like, all right, cool. I need, I need that in my life. So. Yeah. And that's what, you know, it's like, okay, we're rolling out this thing. Like if you're in the Austin area, like and you're in, you know, if you're like a, you know, business executive, like you've probably heard of like acting yeah. school of business, like it's yeah. well known here, but like outside of Austin, a lot of people are like, what is that? Like acting school? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. No, it's like acting, yeah. like Lord acting, yeah. the guy who said like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's really for anyone. I mean, the thought is, you know, my thinking behind like the books that I'm writing and all that is like, how do we like you know, build the mindset and equip the next generation to like mm. make the world a better place. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do I get this in their heads? Right? Yeah. Like if you can start with that, like you're going to be so much further ahead than we were, than we are yeah. now. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the problem I see even like, you know, I've got my kids doing it, but it's still like at, you know, 17 years old, you're not really thinking like, okay, what's my purpose? I want yeah. to live a life of meaning. You're like, I want to make some money, move out of the house and get a Lambo, right? <laughs> not like every kid, but like, yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's sure. what I, you know, when I was 16, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a Lambo, be on yeah. a PGA tour, right? And it's like, okay, do you really even actually care about those things? I mean, for me, it was a Ferrari because yeah. of uh, Miami, uh, Miami Vice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. What, that's so, it sounds cool to that, to that yeah. young person's head, but like, it doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme. But it's like, they don't have perspective. And yeah. like Jeff and I've been talking back and forth and, you know, we're like, you know, it really comes down to like good parenting. Right. And it's yeah. like, can we model this for them? So the other thought was like, well, man, if we target parents for it and we make the change yeah. there, it like trickles down to the kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's powerful. So we're kind of running that one for people around our age. And then we're working on like a deal this summer or like, I think we'll roll it out like beginning of May, Yeah. but it's like, uh, to give parents like, Hey, give your teenager, uh, probably like 14 and up, like give them a choice, yeah. like get a summer job or like do the NGA and figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. 
right? So it's like, it's win-win yeah, either way. Right. So, and we'll kind of lay that up. Like, here's how you frame the choice, because I think it's like super powerful. If you can give your kid a choice, like now they're choosing. And I gave Wyeth a choice. Yeah. And he's like, uh, because he hears me talking about it. He's like, well, can I just do both? I was like, huh? Yeah, you can definitely do both. <laughs> Not Socratic of him, but, uh, well, yeah. okay. So, so we're talking about, this is essentially a curriculum called next great adventure. And it is something that is a part of, and it is intertwined with all of the Acton programs, whether it's, you know, elementary, middle or adults and MBA, it's sort of interweaved in there. But what you've got, what you've got now is you've pulled this particular part out and you've divided it up into three or two, yeah, three, three quests, yeah. you call it. So now you have this program and you're making it available to adults, to anybody like, I mean, word of mouth, right? Anybody who's, you don't, you, there's no prerequisites, right? No, just not for quest. Like quest one, it's, you know, yeah, it's, you know, show up and do the work. Quest one is titled, who am I? Who am I? So it's yeah, like, it's, if you go through it and do it, then you'll have a deeper understanding yeah. of yourself than pretty much everyone else in the world. Right. Cause yeah. I think most people spend more time thinking about like what they're going to do with dinner than like who they are and what they want to do with their lives. Yeah. So I know like for me going through it and again, like when I went through, like, I didn't even really care about that. Like if I'm yeah. being honest, like I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'll do it. Maybe this will like, is this going to show me like another way of like how I can make some more money? <laughs> right. It was like the framework yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in, but I just like did the stuff and it started with like figuring out your strengths Right. And it's yeah. like, I'm like, okay, like, okay, what are my strengths? And I'm like, well, I have no idea. Right. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. So there's, you know, several ways that we do that in the course, several tests, kind of strength tests you take. I think you just did yep. the assignment where you send an email yeah. to people who've known you through different stages of your life. And you're basically like, oh, what would you say I'm good at? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that was like super eye opening. Yeah you know, start saying, oh, you were kind of like, I noticed this was like, you really did this well. Yeah. And and what I found is like the things that we do well, we often discount, right? And we're <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't feel hard for us. It doesn't feel hard. Yeah. But that's like, the, like that's like the key indicator of like, hey, if yeah. this thing, like, what is it that's easy for you that's like hard for other people? Yeah. Right. That's like literally your superpower. Yeah. And everybody has one. Yeah. Like it just, you got to figure out what it is. Yeah. So it was like going through this for me, I figured out like uh, doing one of the strength finders, like, you know, my top five was like activator, which is like whenever you get an idea, like you can go implement it and action it very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Right. Like I noticed test, right? first thing I noticed. Yeah. So like activator yeah. learner yeah, was like learner might have been my top one, but it's like, just means like I can like synthesize information quickly. And I like, like, it's just like my natural gift is like, I can learn stuff quickly. Yeah. And then like, futuristic. So I can basically like see patterns and like see cause and effect long-term of how that will play out. Yeah. And then like competition achiever competition. Like if I'm doing something with somebody, like yeah, I will do better because it's like a competition. I don't yeah. really care about beating them or not. It's really about beating yourself. Like, right. can I be better tomorrow than I was yeah. yesterday? Yeah. So what that told me is like, it, it showed me environments where I could be successful and where I'd yeah. be like naturally like engaged. Right. Yeah. So like in a startup environment or in a like, hey, go figure this out, whether it's like, hey, go build this piece of furniture or, hey, go build this sales funnel or do this. It's like there's not really like a clear set of instructions. It's like this, hey, go figure it out. Mm. And for me, that's like, OK, great. Like I can get behind that. I'm engaged. Um, the other part of it is like, when do you hit flow? 
right? And flow is just like when you lose track of time and it's not yeah. like you're working. Right. It's just like it's fun and you totally get lost in it, right? Yeah. And so you'll do a diagram and mark out like, okay, yeah. well, where do I get in flow? And for me, it was like, okay, like when I build a really complex piece of furniture, yeah. like I get in flow. When I build like a sales funnel, I get in flow. When I'm writing my book, I get in flow. When I train jujitsu, I get in flow. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, at first it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should do woodworking or yeah, maybe it's like teaching jujitsu. And it's really like deeper than that. It's like, okay, what do all these things have in common? Yeah. Right. And it's all like a, like complex solvable problem. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like when I realized like, okay, I'm good at like solving complex solvable problems. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, what environments is that? Oh, it's like entrepreneurship, startups, figuring it out. But once the system's figured out, like if I built the system and figured it out and it's routine, yeah, that ain't my thing. Right. Yeah. I need somebody to do that. Cause yeah. I'm bored and I'll like let stuff, you know, slip through the cracks just cause like my brain isn't engaged. Yeah. But there's people like, that's one of like, Christy's good at that. Yeah. Right. So it's for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't like doing that. It's boring. Yeah. Um, huh. So that's kind of the first part is like, once you can understand like your strengths, yeah, like it just in your flow, like it just points to like, Hey, these are probably the kind of things where you'd be successful yep. and you'd probably like, we enjoy doing things we're good at because mm-hmm. it's less frustrating. Yeah. No, it's not like you're not going to be frustrated ever. Right. Right. But, but every day you get it to get up and do something like you enjoy and you're good at. Yeah. Like work doesn't become like work. <laughs> yeah. It's shoot, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that first quest, I mean, I'm only a couple of weeks into it, but it's been very, very powerful. Not just to see what my strengths are, which I was completely discounting and thinking like, Oh, it's nice that I get to do some of this stuff sometimes rather than being like, this is what I should be doing to have the biggest impact, make the most money <laughs> and be the best leader possible. Um, you know, which for me, it was distillation of information. People are like, yeah. you can explain things really yeah. simply. And I'm like, yeah, well, of course I can't. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it feels easy for me because it's natural. There's a lot of things I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why am I wasting so much time in areas that, you know, they don't create a flow state. They challenge me and frustrate me and then ignore the thing where it's like, you could have the most impact in your business right here. Yeah. Uh, that is really cool. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, you you know, like my kids will be like, oh yeah, dad, I want to play football. And I'm like, okay, like that's cool. Like go play flag football and yeah. do all that. And they're like, no, I think like I'm going to play college football. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to say it's like not possible, Yeah, but dude, I'm your parents. Like I'm five, 10, 170 pounds. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. Uh, I think you would have a higher chance of success. Like in another sport, not that it's impossible, right? but it's like, I think our job as parents is like, how can we help our kids find their gifts and like point them in that right direction? Yeah. Right. It's cause like you find your strengths, your gifts, like whatever you want to call it. And just cause you have that doesn't mean you're like a master of it, but you're already like naturally talented there. And if yeah. you go and like develop that thing, you're naturally talented in, you're yeah. going to get better faster. Oh man. Like you, you just saying that though, just reminds me of a key thing that was repeated to me as a child and probably everybody else in the eighties and nineties or who was a child in the eighties and nineties, which is like, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. No, I, I, I completely <laughs> like disagree with that. Yeah, like exactly. you, you can be what you're gifted to be Yeah, and you could be the best in the world at that. Yeah. But it's like, if you were telling me like, oh, like 
I'm not going to be in the NBA, bro. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I could go understand it and probably build my shooting skills and do all yeah. that, but I cannot dunk from the free throw line, right? right? Like, it I ain't going to happen. You know, and I, I wish as a as a kid who was as, a, as somebody who was you know a kid in the '90s in the Chicago land, I wish somebody would have told me you're not going to be in the NBA because I was like, no, I'm going to be like Mike. Yeah, obviously. Sure yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I wish somebody would be like, ah, oh, well, you know, yeah, you could like technically maybe you could be kind of good at basketball while I play a bunch of stuff, but like, is there something else you're good at? Yeah. I mean, I think like it's a fine line, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm coaching little league right now and you know, it's, it's really like, okay, if you use, you know, there's a lot of people that are like anti-sports and like, oh, we're just trying to like, you're not, career, you know, creating professional athletes. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to complete create professional athletes like yeah. baseball is a great like metaphor for life lessons yeah right it's like it's a failure-based sport and yeah. it's like dude like i don't care like if you fail like great you're going to fail like all right yeah. let's go mess this drill up I'm like what i'm like yeah you ain't gonna get it right on your first try yeah but if you like put in the work you you will improve yeah right so it's like learning that like something like okay so if i fail like I can keep going. Like after I fail, it's like, what do I do after that? Do I quit? Yeah. Or do I like get back up and try again and actually learn why I failed and not fail the same way again? You're going to fail again. Just try yeah. not to fail the same way. again. Yeah. So that's like, you know, what we're doing with the kids. And I think, you know, some parents are like, oh, you're really good. You're the best at it. And like your kid knows you're lying to them because uh. they can see the other kids that are like better than them. <laughs> they can see the evidence. Yeah. And it's like, you start like, they get to where like, oh, like, is my mom just like lying to me? Cause that's what mm. she has to say. So I think there's like better ways you can say like, Hey, yeah. like your effort today was like, great. Like you struck out, but like you kept your game face on. Right. Right. Like it's like, I talked to kids about game face. I'm like, Hey, whether you're winning or losing, I want you to keep the same game face on. We get on in the box, like stare down the pitcher and make him nervous. Yeah. Like just stare at him. I'm like, let yeah. me see your game face. And he showed it to me. I'm like, okay, cool. If we lose, hold your hands high and go shake their hands. If we win, Hold your head high and go shake their hands and don't talk crap. Right. Yeah. Right. Dude, it's totally. Like, totally. And it's like, I remember kids used to cry. I don't know if they yeah. still do. Kids oh, used to cry at do. baseball, right? Oh, strike, sure. strike out, pop out, lose the game, give up a home run. They cry. And I was just never invested in enough. Like I was disappointed on the baseball field yeah. at times. And I was never invested enough to be like, oh, I'm going to cry. But like a lot of, at the time it was like, well, it's healthy and they shouldn't suppress emotions and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's true. But what if we, what if they didn't have to suppress the emotions because we taught them the proper perspective, Yeah, <laughs> which, which well, is that you win some, you lose some and you're not, it's not a judgment of who you are. Well, and it's, it's fine. Like to be upset, like, yeah, that's fine. I get, right. you know, like my buddy wrote in my forward, he had a 24 hour rule, like in the major leagues, yeah. like if he messed up a game, then yeah. he'd give himself 24 hours to be pissed about it. I give my kids a 15 minute rule. I'm like, yeah. after the game, like if we lost, then I'm like, all right, guys, like, how many of y'all are upset? Like, yeah, everybody's upset. A couple yeah. kids crying. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I said, you have 15 minutes. Like, go home, like, cry yeah. for 15 minutes, do whatever you want. Yeah. And then after that, it's over. Like, we're going to move on and focus on the next game. Yeah. Is that fair? They're like, okay. I love that. Right? So, it's like, hey, it's fine to be pissed. Like, that just means yeah. you cared about it. So, yeah. Yeah. But, hey, how can you actually take that and learn from it? Like, what what could you yeah. do better? Uh, yeah. I think that, I think that's beautifully said it's 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 not that you're upset it's well what are you gonna do about it yeah how are you gonna how are you gonna use it to make you better yeah and you know i think that's amazing so and, and yeah that's really like the the nga part right so you you, like, you start out you're like going through you know and it's okay it, you know 
the like find your calling, change the world. Like that's like, Oh, what does that even mean? And how could I even do something like that? Yeah. Well, it's like give you know, becoming a master of the thing you're gifted in is really like the short answer. Yeah. But it's like, well, what mm. if I get it wrong on the first try? Well, it's like, don't think of it like, Oh, I got to get this right on the first try. Like, learning baseball like you ain't gonna get it right on the first try but yeah. think of it like you're going to try on this jacket right yeah and part of the like the way we do that is through you know like the socratic discussions yeah right and so a if you're not familiar with like the socratic method um like socrates with plato like he just asked him questions yeah right so the you know whenever we get on the zoom calls for the nga it's not like my job isn't or my goal isn't for me to go oh paul like here's what i think you should do with your life like that ain't it at all yeah right it's i'm gonna ask you like questions so you reflect on the thing that you did and then like good socratic questions are like a good like a b question yeah be like is a bottled water or reverse osmosis water better yeah and you're like well i don't know they're both kind of good right right but like a good Socratic question gives you that a B where both are kind of right. Yeah. Most people's tendency is to go, well, it's kind of both. Right. And it's not that they're wrong, but that like kills the conversation. Yeah. Right. Whenever you take a strong stand on like bottled water is the best and reverse osmosis was terrible. It'll kill you. Right. Yeah. It gives somebody else on the other stand like a position to like agree, disagree, or like, let me change the subject. Right. Yeah. So, and I think this is like the first start. Like, you know, I think we, we talked about it your thing last weekend about that like failure framework. Yes. About how, you know, we're taught this framework through traditional education of like you sit there and listen and you're going to be tested on your ability to regurgitate what you were told. And then if you fail, that's bad. Right. And then maybe, oh, you can't play Xbox or you can't play sports or yeah. whatever. So we get this negative association with failure. So we become like risk averse and it leads to like that whole like paralysis analysis. We can't make a decision. Yeah. Right. And it shows up like in these Socratic discussions, like people can't make a stand. Mm. So this is like the lowest hurdle to yeah. like take a risk that you might be wrong. Right. Right. Now, right. if somebody changes your mind, you can go, oh, yeah, I agree. I changed my mind. Yes. But it's like a low hurdle, to, like take a stand on your thing when they're like, okay, well, you know, you know, what's more important, <clears throat> like finding your strength or finding your spark. Yeah. And somebody's like, well, it's kind of both I'm like, okay, obviously it's kind of both, but like pick one Yeah. and like be firm on that and then give somebody the chance to like debate that point. Yes. Right. Cause now once you start like planting these flags, you can start getting more clarity and yeah. not only that. But if there's 20 other people in this cohort with you, you get the opportunity to hear what every single one of them learned. Yeah. So it's not just your three to five hours of learning. It's 20 times that. Yeah. So that's like the biggest thing in like business school in those case discussions. Not only did you get your like five to 20 hours of prep you did on that case, you got that times the entire class. So you got like 500 hours of learning Man. in four hours. There's so much like to reiterate and kind of read back to you about how valuable it is. We'll just start with the most recent one. Discussing shit with people is, you know, normal learning, reading a book, learning a lesson is addition. You get people together to have a discussion, especially done in, you know, the Socratic method. That is, that is exponential growth is kind of what you just said. We have to know that <laughs> like addition's cool. You can, you can learn lesson by lesson by lesson, but if you can exponentially speed up the rate of your growth, you're going to learn lessons faster and more thoroughly. So it's like you get more quantity and quality of your learning just by discussing stuff with people. Also being able to take a stand. It seems like low hanging, low hanging fruit, but one of the biggest things that we see in our world 
is possibly as a result of the traditional education system is people are terrified to make a decision because they are terrified of failure and they think that they can't change their mind. And if this is the first being a part of a Socratic discussion, lets them know, like, I can make a decision, I can be wrong, and I can change my mind. How many other doors in their life is that going to unlock for them? Like, it is insanely powerful. And of course, in, you know, for my listeners and my, my class, like, well, Paul, you say life is gray. It is gray. But I reach my conclusions by thoroughly examining the polar opposites. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's what solidifies the learning. So it's like, I don't read materials that are in the gray. I read materials that are in the extreme. I see like, what do these people think over here? Where do these people think over here? And then I just form my own conclusions. But if those folks weren't willing to take a stand, there could never be a discussion about it. Yeah, for sure. And even like in business school, you know, it's the same concept here, but I would prep both sides of a yeah. case, right? And then I would take a, you know, super strong stance on one side and they sometimes they'd split. Like, if you think this, go sit on that side of the classroom. If you go think this, go sit on that side of the classroom. Yeah. And now we're debating this back and forth. And several times, one of my classmates would make such a valid point for their argument that I'd be like, dang, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and I would get up and walk to the other side right. of the classroom. So right. it's, and it's the same in like entrepreneurship. Like you got to be like, you know, committed on the path that you're on, but you also have to be willing, like if it's not working yeah. or it's like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Like, okay. Like we're close to it. It's like, you got to be willing to like pivot. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying like be wishy-washy, but it's like, you got to take a stand. You're charging ahead and you're like just beating your head against the wall. And you're like, Hmm, somebody shows you something and it's like, Oh, it's actually this. But the yeah. thing is you wouldn't have got to that point if you didn't take the stand and start moving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, I struggle with that a lot is, you know, I was oftentimes, um, kind of considered a flake when I was a kid because I would just do, I would be super into something for three months, six months, a year. And then I would just be super into the next thing. I'm super into basketball now because of Michael Jordan. Now I'm super into baseball. Now I'm super into music. Now I'm super into Ernest Hemingway. And it's like, dude, just make up your mind. Like, what are you? Are Do you want to be an author? Or do you want to be a basketball player? You know, whatever it is. And the superpower is reserving the right to change your mind in the face of new information. So we've, we've, we've put a label on it, which is this person's flaky. They change their mind. They're wishy-washy. When in reality, if you have an open mind, you will constantly be changing your mind because you're open to new information that was not available to you previously. Because there's certain things that can only be learned by doing, by walking the path. Yeah. And as you walk that path, your perspective changes and new information comes into light. And you're kind of an asshole if you don't change your mind in the face of overwhelming evidence that the path draw may not be for you anymore. Yeah, I you mean... Know? For sure. I mean, that's like, I can so like resonate with that statement because it's like when I do something like this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? Right, so it's right, like right. I have to be careful, like what hobbies I get, because I can just yeah. like go full retard. I'm like, just go to the next level and be like, okay. like Yeah. All right. What, what are we doing here? Well, like I'm yeah. trying to be like the best at this. Like yeah. if you're going to do something like, why would you not yeah. try to be like, like, I don't want to go do something to like be terrible at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you know, so like I did the NGA thing at the end of acting and, you know, the first quest, right. We just yeah. talked about it. that like figuring out like, who am I? Mm -hmm. And that's like the prereq, right. Before you can actually like plant the flag. Yeah. Like you've got to have like something you're going to plant it in. Yeah. So it's like, you've got to do quest one and like really like dive into like figuring that out before you can do quest two Yeah. and quest three. So for us, like the end event of all this, you know, is like, 
giving a pitch. I mean, there's another path that you could possibly go, but mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to talk about that today. But for me, it was like giving this pitch of like, Hey, here's who I am. Who's where, here's where I've been. Yeah. Here's where I'm going. This is what I need. And if you give me that, like, here's my promise. Mm. Right. So I gave that pitch and, you know, invited a bunch of business leaders and, you know, fast forward, like eight, you know, nine, nine, 10 months earlier, yeah. The hundred job applications, the interviews, no job, like couldn't get anything. Yeah. I had 14 job offers <sighs> after like giving my pitch because I yeah. figured out, Hey, like I learned the language, right? Like I learned some new skills, but more importantly, like I got specific on like what I was doing and how it could like impact them and be valuable for them. Yeah. So I had like those 14 job offers ended up doing a startup freaking learned a ton on there yeah. you know and it was the same thing there like we had one thing we're like okay we think it's this no maybe it's this and then you know sold this third thing and like got the product market fit and sold a million dollars in a week right <laughs> so it was like oh not this bad. Is <laughs> crazy now like yeah. and then covid came along and like some regulation regulatory yeah. stuff that like kind of wiped us out yeah right so it's like oh crap like you think you got it going and then yeah freaking you get the slap it could be like okay facebook changes their algorithm or google changes ups your paper clicks or there's yeah. a government regulation or covid and it's like you got to be adaptable yeah and it's like okay but it's like kind of getting into that and then you know jumping in this next another startup i did and i did that one and it was like you know, it was another like semi startup, but it was like, I was commuting to traffic, commuting in traffic. I yeah. worked in an office. It wasn't like the first startup where I had basically yeah. complete like autonomy to just yeah. like make the thing work. Mm -hmm. It was like, I was in a box. Yeah. Right. I realized like really quickly, like <laughs> I don't fit, <laughs> in, this, I don't yeah. fit in this box. And I was just like, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, when I started thinking like, okay, how do people make money on the internet? Yeah. Like this is so it's intriguing to me. Yeah. And like, we're the last generation to grow up without the internet. Right. So it's like, always seemed like scammy to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. So, but I just started getting curious with it and I'm like, okay, like, well, I'm kind of like good at jujitsu. I like jujitsu. Yeah. And so like, I started, like I built that jujitsu training course, like you were yeah. talking about. Yeah. And what I found was like, people do want to be good at jujitsu, but it's like, most people our age, they aren't doing jujitsu because they want to be really good at jujitsu. Yeah. They're doing it because it's a more enjoyable form of working out. Yeah. Right. And, but th what they were interested in is like the training methodology that I had yeah. of like how I broke it down and right. how I built systems and how there was like a system for everything. So I was like, yeah. huh, that's interesting. So, I mean, I sold a few, but it was like, okay, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Like I'm running ads to people and they don't really care about the solution. So I was like, okay, well, I could put a book together of this. And then, you know, I was understanding like, okay, well, how would you actually like write a book? Mm -hmm. How do you pick a title? <laughs> can, how, how, yeah. do you, how do you actually get a book on Amazon to sell? Yeah. Right. Because it's like, I've done some blog stuff for like Christy and other people. And it's like, okay, if you're not on page one, nobody's seeing it. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're like, it's like 4% of people scroll to page two of Google. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if I write a book and I'm on page two of Amazon, like, 4% of people are going to scroll to the second page. So yeah. like, you ain't going to sell any books. If you're yeah. on page 20, like you might as well not even write it. <laughs> so it's like you get in there and yeah. you do your research. And yeah. that's why it's like young athletes, ultimate guide to mental toughness. Like right. it could definitely have been just the ultimate guide to mental toughness or this, but it's like right. getting specific. And that's why, like I wrote it like 
so my kids could easily understand it. Yeah. And I had buddies that grabbed it and they're like, dude, I'm using this for my sales team. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, exactly. you're tied it a business mindset. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you'd have to have 20,000 reviews to compete there. Like I don't have that yet. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, I think that's, you know, you know, if you have like a solution to a problem, it's like kind of like your moral obligation to figure yeah. out the best way to like market it. So people actually can get it in their hands. Yes. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that. So, so that kind of brought you, so it's like quest one. So for, for the, for the end, for the next great adventure, for what you're rolling out now to the general population, quest one is where everybody starts. You learn a little bit about, you learn and you practice Socratic discussion. You learn about who you are, what your strengths are, what your sparks are, which is like what injustice or opportunity excites you the most. Yeah. And you, you really get, you said it beautifully before narrowing the region of darkness, you get more and more and more clear on who you are, what you're, what you bring to the table and, and where, what you can do with that. Yeah. And then quest two is getting even more clear on this is what I do now. Yeah. Quest two, you're actually going to start like trying on those jackets, right? So yeah. you're, you're going to start like quest two is titled, like choose to do something hard. Yeah. Right. And I know like we're in a culture that doesn't like to do hard things, yeah. but like anytime we're going to break out of the norm, like if you want to get somewhere where you're not there yet, you're going to have to do something hard to get there. Yeah. Right. You want to be a seal, like you're going to have to go through hell week and that's yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's, you know, a lot of us, it's like, we feel like, you know, <clears throat> we're living or like playing a role because that's what's expected of us. Yeah. To, so to get to that point where we like have that life of meaning and life of adventure that we want, like you're going to have to do something hard in the middle. Yeah. It's like figuring out who you are. And then you're going to have to start like trying on those jackets. Like, yeah. Cause you might go and like take that stand and be like, all right, this is my thing. I'm trying it on. You're like, yeah, that's not it. But yeah. it's actually this. Like, I mean, mine, like, my pitch is like, I'm going to do business turnarounds and go into like failing businesses and turn them around and do this. Yeah. And got several like offers on that. And then I'm like, well, it's basically like the same thing as a startup, right? You're going yeah. in and like solving this problem. So it's like, I didn't even like the, 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 the stake I planted. Yeah. Like I started on that path, but it was like, as I went down that path, it was actually like, oh wait, it's actually like right here next to it. Yeah. Right. 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 So it's, and I try to tell that okay, with my 17 year old, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, well, that's fine. Like you don't even got to know. Just do something. Like just get, like pick a something and yeah. you start moving towards it. And as you're moving, it like attracts other opportunities yeah. to you. Cause if you're like sitting around at home, like not doing anything, like nobody knows where you're like, well, how could I be? But once right. you start like moving down the path, like that energy attracts other energy. Right. And you're like, oh, how can we like join up together? Right. So yeah. like when I wrote my book and then Jeff's like, oh, dude, that lines up with what I'm doing. Like you want to like, I think we could roll NGA out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like doing that and you see it and you're like, yeah. oh, check that. Yeah, yeah. We could do this. Right. So it's like the more you keep just running yeah. and other people are like, oh yeah, we could yeah do that right here. Yeah. It, it, I mean, perfect example, two week, two weekends ago or last weekend, I can't even remember. We are in a, in a room in Camp Lucy filled with 50 of my clients, mostly women, by the way, <laughs> it's not a thing I didn't see coming from around the country. And we're not even talking about fitness. You're talking about the next great adventure. Um, you know, Kristen, that morning talked about her career change from PhD professor to working with us. Angie and I talked about philosophy and our life story and failure and setbacks and all this stuff. Well, dude, in 2009, when I got my kettlebell certification, that is not what I, <laughs> that is not what I envisioned, yeah. but that's okay. I was just like, I, I know that this is wrong for me. And by this, I mean the media sales job where I literally had to wear a tie and a suit 
tied to work every day. I'm like, this is not for me. And I know there's something in this fitness deal. So I'll just go get the certification and just, okay, cool. Now I got the certification. I think I could teach some group classes. Oh, I've got enough clients. I could probably get my own facility and just, oh, COVID doesn't want me to have a facility anywhere. The governor doesn't want me to have a facility anymore during COVID. I could do this online. And, and it just keeps evolving and transforming. But it's like, I didn't know in 2009, it's not what I was aiming for, but it just happened because of, Hey, I think I'm pretty good at this thing and I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be open to whatever's next. Yeah. It's like, make it to the next rock, right? Make it to the next rock. And that's like, I mean, I told last weekend, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but like hell week, my whole week strategy is like, just make it to the next rock. Like what's that 15 feet in front of me. Yeah. But if we would have told you like 10 years ago, like, Hey, you're getting this kettlebell certification, but you're really going to be doing this. And here's all the things you're going to have in between now and there. (laughs) You probably would have been like, nah, I'm going to just keep my suit and tie on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here's all the bullshit you're going to have to deal with. Here's all the, here's all the financial stress that you're going to put your family through or like whatever it is. You're like, nah, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So I think it's like for people like that are like, okay, I'm going to jump on this NGA. And it's like, I think our urge is like, okay, I got to know every single step and plan out my life fully. Like, nah, that ain't it. Just like, what's that next rock? Yeah. And like, let me go tackle that. Yeah. And that like shows you, oh, you get to that one. You're like, oh, that's the next rock over there. And maybe you go there and you're like, ah, it's actually that one right over there. Right. Right. So it's like you get focused on that thing, like right in front of you and you knock that one out. And yeah. as you keep knocking them out, you're like your blinders start opening and you start getting that full up picture. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. Um, it starts with getting to know yourself because that is the ultimate skeleton key. Because if you are truly aware of who you are, what your strengths are, what your spark is, what you bring to the table, it just opens up the it opens up the doors for you to go and explore so much more and you can really know right away hey this thing's a fit or it's not no. or this thing is no longer a fit that's okay too but as long as you know who you are and what your strengths are you can continue to to evolve and and you know essentially create whatever life you want to create a life of meaning right so yeah okay so you got this thing open and so this is an online cohort which Awesome. So tell me about it. We, how's it going to work? When is it starting? And where do we go from here? So let's see. So signups will be open. So we'll have a sign up link. You can jump on there and just kind of, you know, join the wait list. Yeah. And then what do we say? The 23rd, we'll open it for like registration. Yeah. Uh, and then there'll be like 20 spots per cohort. Yeah. So the plan is just to w- run, you know, one cohort right now. Yep. It's kind of like our, you know, I ran a, I ran one a couple months ago. It's kind yeah. of like my beta, beta. Yeah. Test, <laughs> beta, you know? beta, beta. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how do I make this, uh, you know, better for the yeah. general public. So like the course is solid, but I've added in a couple, you know, the quests are six weeks long. Okay. So I've added kind of like two pre-weeks okay. to the course. And, you know, the reason I did that is like most people who are, everybody up till now who's gone through this is coming through like acting MBA or, or acting Academy, right? Yeah. So they're already familiar with like urgent important matrix with like the Socratic method, yeah. right? The Socratic discussion. So I think it's beneficial for those like two pre-weeks of like, hey, let's the first week, right. hey, let's make sure everyone's like, you know, registered, like you're set up on the site. Uh, we jump on a call and, you know, we just have a, like a conversation and get to know each other a little bit yeah. before we 
get started. Yeah. And then the next week we're going to look at like a couple tools. One of them is like the urgent important matrix. Um, I've got like a YouTube video up on it as yeah. well. I mean, you can download it early if you want to look at it, but yeah, that's really just like, how do you manage your attention? Yeah. So you spend the times on the things you actually care about. Right. Cause yeah. I think, you know, I had this conversation with my oldest the other day and I'm like, Hey, what's your plan for the day? He's like, Oh, we got to have lunch with my girlfriend. And then I got to go get my sub fixed. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not saying you can't do that, but you know, on the goals you have, how does that fit on the urgent important matrix? And he's like, uh, I'm like, not where do I put them? Where do you put them? Yeah. He's like, well, honestly, like not urgent, not important. I'm like, okay. So again, I'm not telling you like you can't go do them. Right. But I'm saying like, if you have a goal and you fill your days with things that are not urgent and not important, then don't be surprised if you don't make your goal. Yeah. Right. So we give you that tool. Right. So you can start like, oh, this is good. And that's like, really like I do it in my head, like, okay, what does this fit? And the other part is like, we jump in and like, I give you kind of like some rules of engagement yeah. for a Socratic discussion. And then we'll have a Socratic discussion on the urgent important matrix yeah. is like a practice Socratic discussion. I mean, it's yeah. for real, like you get some yeah. benefit out of doing this, but it's, you know, you know, we might take some pauses and I go, okay, I want you to actually take a stand here. Yeah. Is it this or is it this? Yeah. It's like, I'm not trying to be like hard on anybody or whatever, but it's just like to get the most benefit out of it. Like you take a hard stand on something. So somebody has something to argue against or for. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if it's like, is, is it more important to do X or Y? And you're like, well, it's kind of both. And everyone's like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> like we got nothing out of that. Yeah. But if you do this and then people start elaborating and you start getting levels and like peeling off that layers of the onion and you yeah. get deeper and deeper, that's like really the goal is like, how deep can we take this conversation? Yeah. And it really comes down to like active listening. And and by that, it's like, don't think about like what you're going to say while everyone else is talking, like listen right. to what they're saying and then like keep the conversation moving. I love it. So, uh, all right. So, okay. So I'll put, I'll put the link of the for pre-registration. I'll put it up in the notes of this podcast. You can also reach out to myself or Chad directly. So reach out to me if you're in my world, you know how to get a hold of me. If not, if like you're aware of me, but you don't, we don't actually actively talk, just hit me up on Instagram. Same with Chad. Your Instagram is just Chad underscore. Yeah. It's like Chad underline, underline Metcalf, something like that. There we go. Chad, you'll find him. He's got a blue check mark. Uh, I actually canceled that. Like, no, he no. does not have a blue check mark. You'll never know if it's him or not. You, you know, I'm just kidding. You'll know. It, it might still be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but reach out to us, get your name in. And then what, the, what that allows us to do is just, Hey, we know that you're interested in it. And then when it is time to open registration, you will be the first to know you're going to get a first crack at those 20 spots in the cohort. And it's going to be amazing. You know, I'm already going through this, but I am also going to be a part of the cohort because I'm going through it solo right now. And I, I, I can't wait to get some other minds to exponentially learn faster. So that is it. Chad, thank you, my man. Anything else you want to add in before we uh, get going? Besides buy your book, everybody go buy his book. Yeah, grab the book. Uh, I mean, if you jump in the cohort, uh, you may or may not get sent one regardless. Oh, there we so, go. All right, don't buy the book. Just <laughs> sign up for the cohort. Oh, yeah, all right, man. Well, good deal. Well, pleasure to have you, man. Uh, like I said, you came, you, you spoke at our event, and everybody was like, hey, we would actually like to hear more from Chad. So here we go. Can't wait to uh, get some feedback on this podcast, and uh, can't wait to get this cohort going. All right, man. Talk soon.